0: Welcome to the Retire Well podcast, the show that focuses on showing you how to get the most out of your retirement. Each week, we're gonna dive into topics that affect people just like you. Ways to save money on your healthcare costs, smart income planning strategies, estate planning tools, and a whole lot more. We're gonna get straight to the point with short episodes of 20 minutes or less on the information that you need to know to be able to retire well. I'm your host and retirement specialist, Kelly Racicott, Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Last week we talked about what enhanced planning is and why it's so important to preserving the harmony in your family and keeping your legacy intact and why helping you work through this piece of the process is something that I'm so passionate about. When we talked about um, the basics on how your estate passes either by way of probate or contract or through joint tenants with rights of survivorship. Now, if you missed that episode, I'm not going to review all of that again today. So if you missed that episode, I want you to go Back and listen to that one um it's episode nine Um, but at the end of that show I did say that we would continue the planning discussion this week by discussing gifting and taxes and I know that comes up for a lot of people and a lot of people have questions on that so I'm gonna go ahead and get right into it today because there's so much to cover and I already have a feeling that I'm gonna go over the 20 minutes a little bit but it's so so important and I really want to make sure that I give you enough information All right, so part two of enhanced planning, let's get into it. All right, we're going to talk about gifting and inheritance and the taxes that are are associated with both of them, both at the federal and the state level. So let's start with gifting. Gifting is what you give while you're alive. And during your life, there is some exclusions and exemptions involved here and basically on what you can give away and when you have to file a claim for it. So how much money can you gift in a year? Well technically you can gift as much as you want. There's nothing that says you can't but there is an exclusion or an amount that the IRS says you can give away without having to report it. And this year in 2023, the gift tax exclusion is $17,000 for a single person. So if you're married, that's $34,000 that you and your spouse can give away without having to report it to the IRS. So for example, my husband and I have three kids. We could gift each of our three kids $34,000 a year, 17 for each of us, without having to file a gift claim, a gift tax claim. So that's just over $100,000 per year that we could remove from our estate. And if we do that over a period of 10 years, we can move about a million bucks out of our estate without having to let the IRS know. Now, real quick here, kids, my kids if you're listening, which they're probably not. Don't get too excited here. I am just using this as an example. Jeez, I don't want my kids thinking they've got 34 grand a year coming for the next 10 years. But if my point here is is that if you want to lessen your estate, you could do so by gifting, all right? Now, what happens if You gift more than the exclusion amount. Remember, I said you can gift whatever you want. So let's say I'm single, all right? Let's go back to that $17,000 for a single person. And I decide to gift one of my kids in one year $117,000. I can do that. I'm completely in my rights to do so, right? But now I've got to let the IRS know that I made a gift over the annual exclusion amount and the IRS is going to say all right we're cool with the first $17,000 that's your exclusion but the extra hundred thousand we're going to go and apply that to your lifetime gift exclusion now currently that lifetime gift exclusion is 12.92 million dollars per person seems like a whole lot of money no? Maybe you're not worried about your estate being worth $12 million because, well, that's a lot of money and a lot of people are pretty sure that they'll never gift that much in their life. But get this. Did you know when that number expires? That $12.9 million exclusion comes with an expiration date. And that date isn't too terribly far away. On December 31st of 2025, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires... That number stops, and we don't know what it's going to be when we wake up in the morning on January 1st of 2026. If the taxes simply go back to what they were pre-2018 or pre-Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that's going to go back down to about $5 million. But there's a lot of talk in Washington right now about major reform in this area, and there's talk of dropping this number as low as $3 million. Now, at $3 million, I bet a lot more of you are paying closer attention. $12 million seemed like an awful lot, but $3 million, we can wrap our heads around that. More people can wrap their heads around that a little bit more, all right? So let's talk about capital gains treatment, okay? So how are capital gains treated when something is gifted as opposed to when something is inherited, all right so as you start to age maybe maybe you don't spend as much time at a property you own or the upkeep of something you own is getting too much to handle or a hundred other reasons why you might decide it's just time to give something away maybe i can give this cabin away maybe i can give this house away maybe i can give this stock away all right this is so common it could be anything all right and i've had some variation of this conversation dozens of times all right most recently i had a conversation with a client who is 62 years old and he comes in to tell me about a piece of property that he's about to be gifted he says my dad's almost 90 the cabin is a two hour drive north up to potter county and he's 90 he just can't make that drive up there anymore by himself and it's getting too hard to maintain somebody's always got to go with him and nobody's really using that property anymore and since I'm going to inherit it anyway um, whenever he passes away he said he's just going to give it to me now and then I'll probably fix it up a little bit and see if I can sell it okay so on the surface this seems logical right but let, let's look a little bit deeper, okay? So if dad bought this cabin, let's say back in 1980, for $25,000, today, that cabin and the acreage that it's on is worth $300,000. So if dad gives you the cabin and you sell it for $300,000, you are going to have a capital gain of $275,000, and let's say you sell that property next year when you're 63, not only are you going to get hit with that capital gain tax, your adjusted adjusted gross income for that year is also going to be affected and that could affect your Medicare premiums 2 years later since your Medicare premiums are affected by your income on the tax year tax return 2 years prior too. So it could have some unintended consequences financially for you as the giftee, as the person who's receiving that gift all right now on the other side if you inherit that cabin same cabin if you inherit that cabin you're going to receive a step up in cost basis to the fair market value at the time of your father's death so if you sell that cabin for three hundred thousand dollars then we're gonna have no capital gains. So maybe instead of receiving that cabin as a gift now while dad's still alive, maybe it makes sense for you to take over any expenses associated with it, the maintenance of the cabin, but dad maintains ownership of that cabin because that's a pretty significant difference, right? Between $275,000 worth of capital gains and zero worth of capital gains all right so we've talked about gifting and we've talked about capital gains let's talk about having Uncle Sam as a partner in your estate all right so we talked about the federal estate tax and its exemption of being twelve million, twelve point nine two million 12.92 million dollars all right it's a lot of money all right but that is likely to be drastically reduced come 2026 and that brings a lot more people into that conversation I mean The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act just really eliminated this estate tax concern for a lot of people, all right? But again, that expires December 31st of 2025, all right? So now depending on where you live, some states also will tax your estate. And there are 17 states that have either a state estate tax or a state inheritance tax. I'm gonna list A link to that down in the show notes. So um, if if you're curious about which states have state estate taxes or inheritance taxes, I'll link that down there for you. Pennsylvania does not have an estate tax, although it does have an inheritance tax. So what's the difference between an estate tax and an inheritance tax? Well, just simply who's responsible for paying that tax, All right? An estate tax is paid by the estate before anything is distributed. An inheritance tax is is paid by the individual who inherits that part of the estate. Make sense? All right, so let's take a quick look at Maryland. And I wanna point Maryland out um, because Maryland is a state that has both in fact it's the only state that has both a state estate tax and a state inheritance tax all right so maryland's estate tax exemption is about five million dollars so anything over that five million dollar exemption is going to be taxed up to 16 percent and then Maryland also has an inheritance tax of up to 10%. So after you've paid the estate tax, you're hit with another 10% tax on the inheritance side of things. All right, so now let's put that into perspective here for just a minute. Let's just say that you're self-employed in Maryland and all of your wealth is tied up in your business and in your home, and that's not uncommon for somebody who's self-employed. All right, so when you pass away, first, the estate is going to be taxed the estate tax. So anything over that $5 million mark is gonna be taxed at up to 16%. And that's just part of the estate settlement process. All right, so your executor is gonna have to sell off some of your estate just to pay those taxes. And it might not be easy to sell off just part of your business or part of that house in order to, in order to have the liquidity for to pay those taxes. All right? Um now once the estate is settled, then your beneficiaries are going to receive their inheritance and they are going to have to pay the state inheritance tax up to 10%. So if your beneficiary ends up inheriting say a million dollar house, well, now they've got to pay 10% of that. So where are they going to come up with that hundred thousand dollars real quick just to pay the taxes on that house unless they have that kind of liquidity they're going to have to sell the house just to pay the tax and again that might not be so easy to do now I mentioned Maryland because where I'm sitting here in Cambria County Pennsylvania Maryland's a little less than an hour's drive away So maybe some of you are listening from Maryland, maybe you live in Maryland, or maybe own property in Maryland. Um, So if that's the case, you definitely wanna be aware of the potential tax issues in the state of Maryland, okay? But here in Pennsylvania, we don't have an estate tax, but we do have an inheritance tax. And so depending on who receives the proceeds of the estate, it can be taxed anywhere from four and a half to 15%. All right, now here's where the tax part gets tricky, regardless of where you live, and while liquidity can be such an important issue for you. All right, taxes are typically due within about nine months of the decedent's death, okay? And if you don't pay those taxes on time, well, penalties and fees will start to accrue, okay? And we're, we're talking about adding more to an already expensive tax bill. So let's go back to the example of having the majority of your wealth being tied up in your business or in real estate. Like I said, it's not easy to just sell off a portion of your business. Do you want that business to remain intact? Are there people that are employed by your business? Will your children take over that business? What's the succession plan there? And depending on your answer to those questions, selling off part of that asset may not even be a viable option in order to pay those taxes so having a plan for liquidity is key to allow your heirs to pay the taxes that are that are going to be due having a a plan here is going to allow your heirs to hold on to more of their inheritance and keep uncle sam's grubby paws from taking more than you intended All right, now there's a couple ways to do this, but I'm only gonna mention one here today, um, and that's life insurance. So life insurance can be used here to provide that liquidity. Now I mention that here now, not because I think you need to buy life insurance, all right, but simply because it is the most efficient way to provide this liquidity at the time of someone's death. And also, side note, it is September and it's Life Insurance Awareness Month. And this is one of those strategies, you know, where you can buy life insurance for a purpose that, well, most people don't usually think of having life insurance for. So, but my point is here that, um, you know, that's just one example of how Liquidity can be provided. All right. But it is crucial to consider that those taxes are going to be need to be paid in a short order and liquidity will really help out the beneficiaries of the estate. All right. Another thing to consider that we haven't really talked about too very much here is other entities that might be the beneficiary of your estate, right? This could be your grandchildren. Maybe you're charitably inclined and you wish to leave a large portion of your estate to your favorite charity, your church, or your alma mater. Perhaps you want to structure how these beneficiaries are able to use these assets so you leave everything inside of a trust, These are all very common scenarios, but what is the key in this area is communication, all right? So the great thing about planning your estate is that it's yours, and as long as you plan properly and plan ahead of time, well, you get to make whatever decisions that you want to make, okay? So for example, I have clients who've decided not to leave anything to their four children their four children are all doing well financially and they feel that they've given enough to their children while they were raising them and got them started into adulthood you know they paid for their college education they paid for their weddings they helped them with some other expenses you know what just while they were getting their their start in life their intention is to leave their entire estate to their nine grandchildren This is entirely their prerogative to do so. However, I think that we can all agree that it would be much better to have that conversation and that those four children knew that ahead of time. So at the time of the parents passing, all of this information was known and communicated well beforehand. I have another client who is planning to leave all of his assets to various charities and nothing to his children. Again, nothing wrong with this, and it's a personal decision to make. However, I will stress the importance of communicating this beforehand so that there are no hurt feelings and no surprises. Losing a loved one is an already emotional event in and of itself. Finding out during an already difficult time that you're not getting anything that you might have expected to get. Well, that can bring up a whole lot of issues for the remaining family. And we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, so when it comes to this type of planning, you know, a lot of people just avoid the conversation altogether because it can be difficult, you know, and it's difficult for a couple of different reasons. You know, people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about death. Death is uncomfortable to discuss and it's emotional. And some families tend to avoid emotional discussions at any and all costs but doing so tends to make those emotions harder to deal with down the road and three well some of us would just rather avoid the difficult conversation altogether um regardless and you know that's you know i don't want to if communication is key you can do whatever you want but if you have that discussion with your family and you communicate that ahead of time um that's really important and there are a lot of ways that you can that you can do that if you don't even want to have that conversation with your family up front together there there are ways that you can go about doing that whether have a mediator or somebody else involved in the conversation that provides a a medium perspective all right so ultimately i want to wrap all of this up by putting a few simple steps that you can begin to take action on because everything we've talked about through the estate planning process or the enhanced planning process it's all emotional and it can be very very complicated and it can be more complicated because it's so emotional so I want to put this in just a few simple steps that you can begin to start the process and step one is just to simply take an inventory of your financial life make a list of all of your assets and comb through and discover who owns what yes even if you're married in your own household you might be surprised nope you will be surprised by who owns what in your household all right and your financial professional should be able to help you with this okay so step one is that taking an inventory of your financial life step two is putting, that, putting a plan in place, all right? Now, this includes a proper income and cash flow plan for while you're alive so that you can determine what is likely going to be left. You need to do this in order to properly plan. And most people do not go through this step. Most people do not have a formal income plan that gets them through what they're gonna need to fund their needs, wants, and wishes throughout retirement. And so they have no idea then what, if anything, is going to be left behind. So you can eliminate or at least limit some of these major tax consequences with a good plan. Again, you'll need a financial professional that can help you with that. Step three, step three is the most important step. Step three is taking action. That's taking action on completing steps one and two. You've got to make that inventory list. You've got to find out who owns what in your household. You've got to come up with a written down formal income plan to get you through your needs of retirement. Step three is taking action. You've got to do that. Okay. You've you've got to take action on that plan because if you don't, then none of this matters, all right? Now, after those three steps, we're very clear on who owns what and what's likely going to be left over. Now, step four is deciding who gets what, okay? Now, this is where we assemble the rest of the team. In addition to the financial professional, now we're going to bring in the CPA and now we're going to bring in the attorney to draft all of those legal documents now remember I'm not a CPA or an attorney so as a financial professional I'm able to get you through steps one two and three at step four we need to bring in those other professionals that are going to be able to draft those documents for you that are necessary to put the other steps and make all four of those steps work cohesively together but we can't get to step four without going through step one step two, and step three first, okay? So that's it, that's it. I encourage you to start with step one. If you don't have a plan in your, if you don't have an estate plan or enhanced plan or you thought, I don't need an estate plan because I'm not wealthy, I hope that listening to these last two episodes that... um You've learned a little something here and that maybe you will reconsider that notion that you don't. Now if you're ready to begin your enhanced planning process and you're ready to start with step one, please contact my office. I will comb through all of that inventory with you and I will walk through that discussion process of discovering your needs, your goals and your wishes. Of course, all that contact information is down in the show notes. But I will be glad to help you and your family kind of go through this journey together. All right, everyone. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with me a little longer today since this episode was a little bit longer than normal. Um, I do hope that you found... um, something helpful in these last two episodes and something you'll take away something that is able to help you retire well. Um, But please reach out if there's anything I can do to help. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Retire Well podcast. Our goal here is always to bring you value and share insights to make your retirement everything you always hoped it would be. I would be forever grateful if you would leave us a review because that helps more people find the show. And please share it wherever you share things on social media. Thanks again. And I hope to see you back here next week. The preceding information does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions and information shared in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be acted upon without the assistance of a qualified... And licensed professional. Any guarantees mentioned are subject to the strength and claims paying ability of the insurance company, and any mention of rates or performance are subject to change without notice. Kelly Racicott is the agency owner of Hometown Retirement Specialists, LLC. If you have questions about the show, Kelly, or Hometown Retirement Specialists, please visit us on the web at yourhrsagent.com, and you can find our full disclosure in the show notes.